0: Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the brand, brand. where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to reassure you that you're not doing this thing alone. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I'm once again joined by Caitlin Pyatt, a marketing coach for women at her business, Authentic Branding and Marketing. Welcome back to the show, Caitlin. Yes, I'm excited. (laughs) And in the last episode, listeners, Caitlin and I talked all around creating a marketing plan making one that works for you and it was really crammed full of so much helpful advice and practical tips and first steps that you can take so be sure to pop that one on the playlist if you missed it and Caitlin, today we're talking all about you and your business. Yeah. So let's just dive straight in. And I love to start with like the origins of your business. So what was it that inspired you to become a business owner?
1: Yeah. So I um, used to listen to this podcast called Girl Boss Radio. I don't. I don't know if they actually have. Um, like if they're still active anymore, actually. Um, But it was hosted by Sophia Amoruso, who was the founder of Nasty Gal, if you're familiar with that clothing brand. And she would have all of these women, like powerhouse women on. Some of them were entrepreneurs. Some of them were executives in the corporate world. But they all had this common theme of redefining success. So it didn't necessarily mean climbing the corporate ladder. And I would listen to the entrepreneurs in particular, and I would be like, gosh, that just sounds so incredible. Like the life that you're able to lead because of your business sounds really incredible. And then I kind of had this revelation one day I was driving into work and I was just like, I was crying driving into work because it was like a horrible more. So I have three. Well, at the time I had two kids, I have three now. Um, but I had two kids and mornings were just a shit show every day. Somebody ended up crying. Right. And that day it was me because It was just rushing to get everybody ready and out the door so I could get to my desk and I could get my work done and I could leave so I could come home and be with my kids and see my husband. And in the process, it was just like this chaos that left someone in tears. And that day it was me. And I was like, this cannot be it. I'm going to run on this hamster wheel for the rest of my life. I'm going to go to a job that I like, but I don't love every day for the rest of my life. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't do this. I'm missing all this time with my kids and I don't want to do it. So I started looking for another job. Couldn't really find anything that I loved. Hired a coach because I was like, well, help me get interviews for jobs and like help me help. You know, I was like applying for these positions that I was excited about, but I wasn't getting calls back. So I, I originally reached out and was like, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to get somebody to help me rock an interview and get a new job. And he goes, I don't think you want to be in the corporate world. I think you want to be an entrepreneur, which my husband has been saying to me for years, like, when are you going to go out on your own? Right. But of course I can't take the free advice of my husband. (laughs) I need to pay for someone else to tell me (laughs) that I should be an entrepreneur. And I was just, I was like, you know what? I am at a point where I really in my bones didn't feel like a nine to five was going to be the answer. I was looking for one because I thought that was the only way I could solve my current predicament. But in reality, it wasn't going to change the fact that I'd still have to rush my kids around every morning and yell at somebody to put their pants on and get in the car. And it wasn't going to change the fact that like I would always be pouring out a good deal of energy to somebody else in the corporate environment. So when he was like, I think you would have more fun being an entrepreneur. And I said it to my husband and he was like, finally, like, go for it. So that was kind of my, my jumping off point. I just realized that like, I didn't want to show up to a nine to five every day that I wasn't like absolutely on fire for. And I was just unwilling to do it. And I just, I wanted more white space in my calendar. I wanted to be able to look at it and go, I don't need to like rush my kids every morning. I don't need to rush home at night. I can spend more than an hour with these like little humans that are amazing that like give me so much joy. And I can't do that when I have to sit at a desk from 9am to 5pm every day. So that was like my motivation to say, stop, get off. Figure something else out. So I spent about a year building my my infrastructure and kind of working to that before I finally stepped out. Yeah, that's. I find it fascinating
0: that you hired a coach not to find out more about becoming an entrepreneur, but to get you into just a slightly different version of the job that you had. And yeah. I, I completely relate to that. Like I never realized. Why I didn't enjoy my nine to fives quite as much. I, you know, I think it's one of those things, and I'd love to hear if this was your your experience as well, but there are so many moments throughout all of my world and all of my life where I can remember people being unhappy about jobs, making jokes about the nine to five, making jokes about having to go to work all the time. It's like this thing that you're almost conditioned to expect to hate your job or dislike your job. Yeah. Yeah. We're not told that there's another way.
1: (laughs) Right, right. I mean, how many times would you have been in the break room and somebody would be like, oh, good morning, how's it going? And you'd be like, living the dream. And clearly I'm not living the dream. Like you can tell by my tone that I am not living the dream, you know, and I, I love marketing and I had seen other people around me like become entrepreneurs, but I was like, I I don't think I can do it. It really kind of like underestimated. I mean, I still some days I do like oh, look, we all have those days. <laughs> yeah, you still you still have those moments. They don't go away. But um I yeah, I was just like, so I was thinking about it and I kind of went back to that the girl boss podcast that I would listen to. And it kind of like finally dawned on me. I was like, oh, all of those those women that I tend to really enjoy on the show are the ones who are entrepreneurs and they've redefined success. They're not. It doesn't have to be climbing a corporate ladder to a higher salary for them. It was just having more like creative freedom or more time and flexibility. And so having somebody say, somebody aside from my husband (laughs) say, go for it. Like it, it is possible. Like that was kind of the point where I was like, oh, there is a different way. Like I can still be really successful in marketing but I don't have to do it by showing up and sitting at a desk for eight hours every day.
0: I find it interesting that you you said like you couldn't hear it from your husband. You needed to hear it from someone else because I feel like that's something that happens fairly frequently and still happens. It's something I still experience now where My other half, I absolutely respect his opinion, the same as my mum, same as my dad, like they're my biggest cheerleaders. It's amazing to have that support. And I feel very privileged because I know that's not always the case. However, one of those, there's always that part of you, which is, and, and let me know if this is true for you, but for me, it was kind of, well... I know they'd support me no matter what I do. (laughs) Yeah. Are are they genuinely saying this is something you could do because I didn't believe it, but they would still support me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think when I think of my parents, that's definitely what I think of, right? Like um but oddly my mom my parents have been very supportive. My dad was an entrepreneur for a long time, so he understood 100% where he's coming from. I think I just made my mom nervous cuz she was like, "Oh my god, you have three kids." So I was actually pregnant um when I started my business or went full time um because I was actually laid off. Um so it was just kind of the perfect time. And I think I just made my mom really nervous because she knew what it was like being married to an entrepreneur. So I think she but they've been incredibly supportive. When it comes to my husband, I think I I have a great amount of trust in my husband to be like, you, like he would not bullshit me. Right. So if he didn't think I could do it, he isn't going to be like, go ahead and do it. And like he, if it had not been for him, he is kind of the financial planner of our family. Like I can certainly do that. But he loves doing it and he loves making a spreadsheet. So I'm like, you go for it. And so he like he was really a critical piece of me being able to start this business because he like mapped it all out and was like, here's what we need to do. Here's how it works financially. And he gave me like the confidence in that respect. But I think I, I think I discredited his opinion because my husband, he's a hustler. Okay. He has a million ideas. He always believes they're going to work. He always is like, let's make this happen. And he's going to like, he's just a hustler. Right. And I was like, this feels like a hustle. This feels like, you know, I was just like, are you telling me this because you really think it's going to work or, you know, he just has like this hustle entrepreneurial spirit? I was like, or are you just really excited about this and like how how does it all like come together? And so um I at least had the confidence that he wasn't going to bullshit me. But I was just like, I don't know. Because he's always like, do it and then we can make millions. And I'm like, I I, I don't know about that, you know? And so um, I think that's why hearing from somebody else and the person I happened to hire, like specifically worked with corporate marketers who are making this transition. So I think that was the other piece too, was hearing from somebody who had been in my shoes and like could say you know, here's how it happens. Here's how you make this change. And here's how it all comes together. Whereas like my husband is like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. He's, he's comfortable flying by the seat of his pants and I am not. So it was, it was hard for me to listen to him, but listening to someone else who kind of gave me that outside validation, I think that was just like, it was a confidence thing. Yeah it was less about my husband's support. It was more about my own internal like struggle and feeling really confident.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. That's I can completely relate to that. It's kind of like the accumulation of everything, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So let's dive a little bit more into what it looked like when you had made that decision. So you had these conversations with this coach, you had realized that actually you wanted to give being an entrepreneur a go rather than looking for another nine to five. That was just kind of the same shit different day somewhere else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think one of the one of the key stumbling blocks is even before you even take that step to starting a business is trying to understand how you would leave the current role that you had. So can we could could you share a little bit around how you took that step from being in employment to being an entrepreneur and kind of what that looked like and felt like for you?
1: Well, so that decision was made for me, which helped a lot because the way we had originally planned for 2020 to go, which everybody planned for 2020 to go differently. So, I mean, take this with a grain of salt, but the way that we had planned it to go was that we knew we wanted to have one more kid And so the thought process was, until we have a kid, let's be kind of building the infrastructure. I could maybe take on some clients in the evenings and things like that and sort of just side hustle it and see, you know, build a book of business and then not go back from maternity leave. So I was going to have like this very natural kind of clean break. I can say that because at my corporate job, I genuinely – Genuinely loved working with my boss. He was an amazing mentor. We had such a phenomenal working relationship and we just fed each other, like we complimented each other and just fed each other's creativity. And I was already starting to get cold feet. This was like probably several, it was probably 10 months before I knew I was going to be giving my notice. Um, But I was pregnant and I could already start myself getting cold feet. But I just really kind of kept reiterating to myself, like, just you just have to make the clean break. Like, everything will be fine. He will still be a great friend and a great supporter. But I sort of just had to, like, pick a timeline and say, like, this is going to be my cutoff date. And so that gave me plenty of time to mentally prepare for it, right? Because that, like, that was a really big component of it at the end of the day, all of that preparation didn't matter because my company decided that they were going to outsource marketing and they laid everybody off anyway. So I was, you know, at that point it was like, well, I'm five months pregnant and I'm not going to find another job and, you know, go back to my original plan. That just sounds silly. So it was made for me. I can say it was, it was kind of nice that the decision was made for me because I could see myself getting cold feet and starting to back out. But I think if you just, set a date and give yourself enough time to feel really good. And then the other thing too, part of the reason I was, I was like hesitant was because I just, I felt like I would kind of be leaving the team that I cared about and like people that I cared about and I'd be kind of leaving them in a lurch. So I felt like, And I had started thinking about like, okay, what is that transition plan going to look like? So mentally I could prepare myself for it, but then I also had a plan in place that I could say, like, when I went to give my notice, I could say, Hey, I'm giving you my notice, but can I help you find a new manager to take my place? Or do we need to put some sort of, you know, maybe a plan in place where like I wrap up some projects and like my work, you know, kind of tapers off with you to make it easier. So I had kind of put something in place to be like, how can I like help ease the transition for them? Which is really kind of It was nice for them, but it was more selfish for me because it just made me feel like, you know, I was doing what I could to make it easier on them. So some of those things help, I think, when you start thinking about it. That's
0: a really interesting approach. And that's not one that I think I've had many conversations about because that transition period, a lot of people, I will say the majority of people that I have spoken to on this podcast that have talked about leaving the corporate world, it's been because of the negative experience of being there. Whereas there are there are some that I've spoken to, and they're like, I loved my job, I loved my workplace, I just wanted to do this differently, I wanted to have more, whatever else it was. But I don't think I've spoken to anyone who is actually thinking about that transition from both a personal point of view, but also for their team. So. Yeah. I think that that's a really, it's a really wonderful way of thinking about it. And if anyone else is out there that does have those same feelings and can resonate with what you were saying about, you know, you may not like the corporate world or the corporate role, but it doesn't mean you don't. you know, these are the people that you spend every day with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
0: having that plan in place is quite. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And I, I mean, I am a natural planner and I am also somebody who like, I try to enjoy change, but I just need a lot of time to process it. Certainly as an entrepreneur, I've become way more flexible. Certainly living through COVID, I have become much more flexible. But thinking about that, I was like, I am not a person who likes lots of big changes. I I like predictability and, and stability. And so for me, thinking about that transition just kind of helped ease some of my own anxiety. And then I felt like I would be leaving my organization on like the highest note possible. If they didn't want a transition period, they just wanted two weeks and I could peace out. Cool. I'm fine with that. But if it was like, oh man, this really stinks. And like, we need help. I was prepared. And I had thought about like, hey, how can I help you?
0: I think that that's an important point as well with whether it's clients, whether it's businesses, whether it's collaborations, like not burning bridges can be really integral. Yeah. Particularly in the early days. Well, at any stage, really. I mean, Just don't burn those bridges because you don't know where it's going to lead. You don't. Yeah. Awesome. So um, let's talk a little bit around some of the unexpected surprises along the way. So from when you started your business, have there been any particular moments of either kind of challenges or successes that have really taken you by surprise? You're like, I wasn't expecting this to feel like this.
1: Yes. Um, I feel like that's every day as a new, as a new entrepreneur, if I'm being honest there, it was certainly an adjustment to kind of go from being in a corporate environment where I had like very specific deliverables that someone else was watching to kind of managing my own time. Even as an organized person, it was still like a culture shock to me. And then It was also something that even though I had spent a year kind of building the infrastructure of my business, and even though I focus on branding and marketing, that comes really naturally to me when I'm helping my clients. It's very unnatural for me to look at myself and apply it to myself. And I was not anticipating that. I was like, surely if I can do this for other people it will be super easy to do it for myself like i can do it in my sleep um and that has not been the case so having to um set aside more time to like think and focus on myself and my own business was not something i had anticipated and then also just the amount of times you like change in the first couple of years like you change your target audience you change your brand a little bit like Even though I tried to have all of that in place before I ever actually went full time, it changes and it's so fluid. And I guess nobody told me, no one warned me, no one was like, hey, just so you know, as an entrepreneur, every day you have to be cool with change and you have to be super, super flexible. Because I was coming from my corporate mindset of like, you build a brand and you adhere to it and like, Nobody strays from it. And if they do, you slap them with like a nasty email and tell them to get back in line. Right. Like, and that's just not how it works when it's your own business and your own brand in the early days. Like it's all just fluid, which was not, you know, my natural state of being.
0: It's so funny, isn't it? Because when I was also in the corporate world, I'd be like such a stickler for brands, like brand guidelines are there for a reason. Branding is there for a reason. This needs to be done in this order because that's the most optimal way of doing it. And then when it's yourself, you're like, I am my worst client.
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like I've I've met so many people who are just like, you know, it just changes so much that first year because you're learning. Like you learn so much. You're drinking from a fire hose and you just constantly have to be like tweaking and refining that process. I'm like, no one told me that. Nobody, you know, in advance, I wasn't mentally prepared for that. And so, yeah, my my stickler like you for corporate brand standards was like, no, no, you built this brand. Don't you dare change that shade of green. Don't do it. And then somebody was like, no one cares. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And I think that that's kind of, it's joyful to realize the flexibility and the power that you have. But it, like you said, it is, it's that culture shock because you've gone from being a certain way to having to think in a completely different way and accept that flexibility. And yeah, I mean, that first year in business, my goodness, the second year in business is still pretty. <laughs> I am
1: I still feel like I'm, I'm pretty much in my first year. There's not a distinction. <laughs>
0: well, I'm coming up to my fourth year and I'm still feeling that. So I think that, but that's the beauty of it. And I think that that's something that's often overlooked as well because we are constantly being challenged and changed and mm-hmm. and we progress and we adapt but the beauty of it is that we're doing it all on our own terms and every time we make those decisions rather than having them made for us is because we're getting more aligned with how we want our business to help our future and what we want our
1: lives to look like. And you know what the nice benefit of it has been? Because that is the way that like I have to live in the business world. It has like fundamentally changed me as a person too. So in my personal life, like I was, you know, with three kids, you just sort of have to go with the flow anyway. Like nobody... Let's not kid ourselves. I'm rarely like in charge. I'm just kind of hurting and corralling cats, but it's just made me so much more like, it's so much less stressful. And so even just in my personal life, like I have found that because I've learned that my business just changes me and I have to be flexible and I have to be fluid, like that has carried over. And so it's even just like this general piece in my personal life too, where I'm just like, Oh, I don't have to get stressed out about you know, the fact that I, I thought we were going to be doing whatever today and here we are not doing that.
0: I think that that's wonderful. It's, it's interesting because it's that whole work-life blend, isn't it? I mean, it's not about balance. It is that blend and it's how significantly your freedom and flexibility of owning your own business, if you let it, can positively impact your personal life, but also the things that you learn and the attitudes and the approach and all of that good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you embrace it, you can embrace it throughout everything, which is really cool. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit around branding and marketing because, hey, that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> Um, let's start with your business name. How did you choose your business name? Because I'm aware that this is one of the things, again, that can be a proper stumbling block for new entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah. Um, so I knew I didn't want to use my name because I just didn't find it very exciting. I was like, I, I mean, I like my name, but I was like, what am what am I going to do around a name? Right. How can I build any kind of like graphic identity around that? So for me, that was just like blah, it was boring. And so I kind of thought about my marketing philosophy and my, um, brand philosophy. And I was always, I worked at a financial institution and I always had this saying when my team and I had creative brainstorms and we were putting together the creative and I would, I would always eliminate anytime somebody brought a picture or a graphic to the table that didn't feel really authentic. So for example, if we were doing an auto loan campaign and somebody brought a picture to use on the postcard, that was like somebody standing next to a car, like cheering, um, or getting their debit card in the mail and being like, yay, I would be like, nope off the table because I was like, who actually, who actually does that? nobody, nobody gets their new credit card or debit card in the mail and like does a happy dance. You probably open it, look at it and go, it's about time, throw it on the counter and forget about it until your other one gets declined and you have to like (laughs) activate your new one. Right. And so I just, I always had this guiding principle of being like very authentic and like really looking for authenticity. i I always told my team, like, I want people, I want Our members of this credit union to look at the ads that they get in us from the mail and feel like it's relatable. And so I just, I always said, like, no nacho cheese marketing. I don't do it. If it feels cheesy, we can't put it out there. To me, that just equates to authenticity. And so I was like, well, I get, I like authentic branding. I like authentic marketing. It's my guiding principle. It's my philosophy, and so that just kind of became my business name. Brilliant.
0: I'm surprised that it was available in all honesty.
1: <laughs> well, right, and so that's um, authentic branding. Yeah, the name was, which I was also very surprised at. the The URL wasn't. So, I, my URL is actually getauthenticbranding.com. That works, well, right? Which it totally works, um, but it does confuse people because then they're like, oh her business is Get Authentic. And I'm like, no, 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 I just needed Get so I didn't have to pay $10,000 for a URL.
0: Awesome, I love that. I love the fact that your name has stemmed from a personal and professional philosophy. Yeah. Because I feel that if you have that level of clarity around one guiding principle that you know that you are gonna carry through everything that you do, that is a fantastic place to start. So if there are any listeners out there who are like, I have no idea what's called my business, you can go for something that you find funny, which is what I've done with several businesses. I know. I love Shadow Cat. <laughs> Thank you. I've got another one that I will share later because I can't remember when this episode's going out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But you can choose your name if you feel that that's exciting. But it's interesting. One of the things that you said there was you didn't know how to build a graphic identity around your name. And I had never thought about it like that. But that's exactly the challenge that I had was like, how do I apply a graphic identity to
1: my identifier? (laughs) Right. Right. I know. I was like, do I just use my face everywhere? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't understand, but I will say it's still like going with something descriptive, like the word authentic, like it still is challenging to build a graphic identity. Cause I'm like, well, what, what does that look like? You know, so that it, you know, it was just kind of a little lesson versus if I had gone with like, I don't know, green, I I can't even, I'm not, I can't even make up a name. Let's not pretend I didn't do that. But if I had been like, I I don't know if I was like green whale marketing, for example, like, okay, that's very obviously, or like you've got shadow cat, which like immediately kind of evokes like this imagery that you're like, Oh, I can use, like, here's how I can do this. And then aesthetically you can, you know, mold that into, do I want it to be like monoline or like heavy blocks or, you know, realistic or whatever. Whereas like authentic, you're like, okay, what does that conjure in terms of images? So it was still, it's still the same challenge, but, um, Allows me, you know, it's it it just kind of again, it's it's still more fun than my name.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if it works for you, and I think that that's the that's the point, isn't it? It's something that still means something to you, and it will connect with the people that you want to work with. So yeah, yeah. You're not going to get the the nacho guy who's just like (laughs) make it all cheese. (laughs) Yes, yes. Perfect. So we've talked a little bit around how the challenges of your visual identity when you're branding, but. When it comes to developing your visual identity and your brand strategy, is that something that you do yourself fairly frequently? Is it something that you do every time you realize that your business is changing and ebbing and flowing?
1: So it was something that kind of in the beginning, I I set as part of like building my business. I just took a certain amount of time and gave myself like the freedom to just be like, let's think about what I want this to be. But in all honesty, like it changes. So it changes so frequently in the first couple of years, as I kind of learn more, as I start to find like my target audience a little bit more. And maybe I niche down even further than what I was originally kind of thinking, or maybe I just kind of learn, like you grow and you evolve over time. And so Sometimes I find myself now a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to that stuff, just because, especially when it comes to my brand, because that's like the last thing I feel like I have time to go back and revisit because I would give myself like all the creative time and creative thinking time in the world, um, which is not a luxury that I have as a business owner. Um, but I do try to kind of like take notes when like I have a thought so that I can set some time aside and go when I've, I'm kind of in a lull client wise and I say, okay, let's think about some of these things. And then how can I like tweak and change my brand? So, um, like most recently, for example, like I updated the color palette that I use. Cause I found that I was like, oh, I feel like I've just kind of outgrown this one or it doesn't quite convey and translate the way that like I originally thought it did. And so I just sort of make those small tweaks as I go because it's much more manageable than being like, okay, okay. Full redesign set inside a week to just do my brand.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's good. And again, that feeds into everything that we were talking about in the last episode as well, where it's strategically planning where your focus is going to be to support your yeah. own business goals. So ideal. So I've got two last questions for you before you wrap up with advice. So, what is the favorite part of your business?
1: Oh, my favorite part of my business? I think that so i i have a podcast that i started called startup marketing to kind of start to build my own authority and i think that has been a really unexpected favorite piece of mine like even as my target audience has grown and evolved and changed from that original like concept of working in ju- like with just startup i have found that i just enjoy having a platform i love talking about branding and marketing and it's given me the opportunity to connect, like with people like you and other branding experts and other marketing experts, like that I feed off of the creative energy from. And so that has been kind of like a shocking and surprising little favorite piece of mine.
0: Was that something that you ever thought that you would end up factoring in as creating your own podcast?
1: No. And some days I'm like, why do you do this to yourself? Why do you, why? No, I, I do, I do enjoy it. And it does serve, um, as a really great way to kind of like build my network as an entrepreneur. I learn from other people who have kind of like walked down the path that I'm going now. So it is extremely helpful. Um, even if it is a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that it's, it's always interesting that when you start your business, I think you have certain expectations of what you're going to enjoy the most. And then what I've often found is actually it's something that's come just purely out of being in that space and something you never would have even been able to like conceptualize before you started. (laughs)
1: Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: And I think that this is one that I'm really keen to hear your answer on, which is what has been your most effective or your favorite marketing method in growing your business?
1: So um, this is something that came very unexpected to me coming from a marketing, a strategic marketing and planning role in the corporate world. I put together all of these strategies, uh, A podcast. I wanted to book speaking engagements. I mean, I booked speaking engagements. Um, I wanted to build a course. I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. My most effective marketing strategy is not working. (laughs) And it is totally shocking to me because it was not something that I focused on when I was in the corporate world. I didn't have to. I had the luxury of just like existing in my own world and being able to do what I wanted. So when I became an entrepreneur, suddenly I was like, okay, there is no level of marketing or there's not an inexpensive level of marketing and advertising that I can do as a brand new business that has no brand authority, no brand awareness. There's no cost-effective way for me to get my name out there and acquire clients. So my most effective strategy has been networking, which isn't expensive. Sometimes I pay to go to meetings, but it helps to connect with other people who go, Oh, I know someone who can use your services, or I know someone you should talk to because they work with a lot of people who could use your services. And so it's building that referral network that has been really, really effective for me because then I get that revenue stream that allows me to invest in my marketing. And so that was kind of, it was not something I saw coming. I felt very inadequate for, and I honestly didn't even consider it a marketing strategy coming into my business. I was like, oh, networking. That's just like having cocktails and going to happy hour and like schmoozing people. And I was like, nothing about that is marketing, but it actually is a great deal of marketing because it's, it's me talking about my brand and being able to, verbalize and communicate my brand and my product and my services. It's having materials ready so that when somebody says, oh my gosh, that's super interesting. Can I get more information? Absolutely. Let me, let me send you my lead magnet and get you signed up to my email list. Let me um, send you the brochure of my services and things like that. I've got little like swag boxes that I drop off to the people that I'm prospecting. So it becomes marketing and it starts, it's kind of the like first step in the marketing process. And I had totally written it off before I started my business. Wow.
0: Well, I feel like I need to go networking where you do if it's happy hours and cocktails. Cause for me, it's usually just like a massive caffeine hit first thing in the morning. That's far too early.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure those groups are out there. I have avoided them. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And I think the last thing that I'd love to wrap up with today is from everything that you've experienced through your business journey and how your business has grown and flourished, what would be the one key piece of advice that you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: Oh man. um, Just just be flexible. Um, Understand that your brand is going to change. Your target audience is going to change. So I guess the other in addition to being flexible, you also have to kind of learn to recognize and accept the signs that those things are changing. I spent a lot of time early on kind of fighting some of those changes because I had set my brand and I had set my target audience and damn it, I was sticking to it. But there are all of these signs that were kind of pointing me to be like, Hey, you you should be over here. This is a better fit for you. Um, so be flexible and be willing to kind of follow those signs and just know that like, it's an evolution and you'll get to a point where you have a really solid brand and you know, the marketing strategies that work really well for you, but until then it's a giant experiment and you just kind of have to be willing to go with the flow and accept that. So that would be my advice.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. The flexibility to adapt, I think, is a fantastic way to wrap up and summarize everything that you've been through as well. I think it's worked well.
1: So where can the listeners find more of you online? Yeah. My website is getauthenticbranding.com and you can find me at Authentic Branding on social. Fantastic.
0: So thank you so, so much for joining me today, Caitlin. This has been
1: absolutely wonderful. Yes, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate it.
0: And listeners, if you are enjoying the podcast, can I ask that you tell just one other person about the Brand Lounge? Maybe recommend them your favorite episode, perhaps this one to listen to. It really does help the podcast to grow so I can continue bringing you these new episodes and new guests every week. And until next time, head over to our Instagram, Facebook or Clubhouse communities with the links in the show notes where we can continue these conversations in the Brand Lounge.